Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. 1 Corinthians and chapter 10, as we go back to uh, this book that we've been going through step by step, and this evening uh, we have a wonderful, uh, powerful reminder of something that God wants us to know about. And I want to begin tonight as we turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, with a illustration, a story here that, that I've read before, so forgive me if you've heard it already. But there's a, a story that goes that there was a woman and her friend, and one day they decided to gather up their children and make a trip to the local zoo. There was a brand new attraction that had opened at the zoo called Big Cat Country. And in that attraction, there was lions and tigers. And uh, they they let them out of their cages and even allowed them to roam in these large enclosures. Visitors that went to the zoo could observe those wild animals by walking on elevated skyways above the habitats. And as, uh, as these two women were taking their children across one of the ramps, there was in her stroller a blanket that came entangled in the wheel of the stroller. One of these mothers knelt down to help untangle the wheel of the boys. They were ages three and five. And when she looked up after untangling the wheel, she discovered that the boys, three and five years old, They had innocently walked through a tiny gap in the fence and had climbed up on the rocks, typical little boy behavior, climbed up on the rocks 25 feet above the pen where the lions were. They had been told that they were going to be able to look down on the lions and they were just doing that from a very dangerous place. When... This woman looked up from where she was. They saw her and they said to her, Hey, Mom, we've got a great view up here. They had no idea how much danger they were in. Of course, immediately, this mother began getting frantic. But she she thought to herself in the moment, If I scream and if I freak out, I might startle my boys causing them to lose their footing and slip into this pen and be torn apart by wild animals. The gap in the fence was too small for her to fit through, so she couldn't go and rescue them. So examining the situation, no one else there to help, what did she do? In that moment, all she did was she knelt down on one knee She opened up her arms like this, 
And she said, boys, come give your mom a big hug. And when she did that, those boys got down from that dangerous place, came right back through that little place they had gotten through, and that love that they had for their mother saved them from danger that day. What a powerful, true story. And I want to use that story as an illustration of how Jesus wants to save you from certain danger. That we, through this life, we are all going to face some temptation. We are going to face times where there are dangers around us, and when we fall into temptation, it can have devastating consequences. But I'm here to remind you tonight that in the same way that mother opened up her arms and said, hey, come give me a hug, boys. That was more attractive to them than was the view that they had of the lions. In the same way tonight, our devotion and our love for Jesus Christ, our commitment to His purpose and plan for our lives, ought to be more compelling than the attraction to a fleeting moment of pleasure. Let's read this scripture tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 11. So now all these things, remember we're coming now as he's been talking about the Jews who came out from Egypt. We talked about it on Wednesday night. And he's reminding them that all these things that we talked about, all these things happened to them as examples. They were written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Can we say that together? God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Of all the precious promises that God gives us in the Bible, this could be one of the sweetest. That God always gives you a way to escape temptation. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word, God. We thank you for the promises that you've given us. Lord, let us lay hold of them and let us once again realize that our devotion to you is far greater than the fleeting pleasures of sin that temptation may bring to us. I'm praying tonight that you would cause us to be a people that is holy, set apart, and righteous, justified by the blood of Jesus God, let us walk in righteousness and in truth tonight. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Amen. I want to begin. This is a message I've titled, Obedience During Temptation. And I want to begin this evening by reminding you what you already know. And what every one of us already knows is that we live in a world that is filled with temptation. 
filled with temptation. We are tempted on every hand around us. And by the way, temptation does not only come by random circumstance and chance. Temptation is delivered to us from the world, yes, but also from the enemy. We have an enemy of our souls. How many know that tonight? There is an adversary. There is Satan, the devil, that he wants to destroy you. And one of his most effective methods of destroying God's people is with this tool of temptation. Not only that, but there is an inner enemy, right? That there is the flesh, which is the part of you that does not want to serve God. And many times, the, the three enemies that face every Christian will coincide. And many times, there is a strategy, there is a weapon formed against us. And th- those temptations can converge into perfect storms. And I, as a pastor, I have had to deal with the consequences of people who have had to give in to temptation. I have dealt with families in the course of great betrayals, adultery, fornication. I have had the sad opportunity to deal with people who are in rebellion against God. Children who are in rebellion against their parents. And can I tell you that these great sins, they all started from a temptation. And we are living, as I mentioned, in a world that is working against us. And this world that we're living in, in many ways, is presenting greater temptations than in previous times. Realize that the world today is a lot different than it was even a hundred years ago. There is far more opportunity for sin. And I'm not saying there was no temptation for people a hundred years ago, maybe different forms. But, you know, a hundred years ago here in the United States, there were some basic understandings that everybody had that would keep many people away from temptation. In other words, that even though that, that fornication and adultery no doubt happened a hundred years ago, the way that society treated it was so far different. That people would, by and large, would condemn, would bring condemnation upon people if it was found out. And those people, if they committed adultery, you know, uh, they, they would reconcile, they would make it right, they would, the, the, the world would, would work toward that goal. Couples who were found in, in fornication and sexual sin, you know, couples who wanted to get married a hundred years ago, they would almost never live together first. Almost never. Today, you almost never hear about couples that don't live together first. It's a very different culture and atmosphere that we are in now. A hundred years ago, divorce was almost unheard of. In the year 1900, only 7% of marriages, 7, 7% of marriages ended in divorce. Today, they say it's around 50 to 55%. Why is that? Because the culture is changed. And so we are living in a world where what is right is now called wrong, and what is wrong is called right. 
We are living in a culture where it is now popular for young girls to want to be called boys. I heard another story of it today. They want to be treated as boys. They want to be, they want to have a boy's name. Or it's the other way around, a little boy who one of us all of a sudden thinks he has enough knowledge of the world to understand that he wants to be a girl. Man, I feel like a woman. And this is, oh, that Shania Twain song is reality today. It's not just a fanciful song. It's the real world experience of many people. I feel like I should be the di- a different gender today. Homosexuality. See, these are things that were, they were not completely erased from the planet, but it was so rare and so understood by nearly everyone that it was not right. That it was maybe a world that was a lot easier to live in a hundred years ago than it was today. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Another example of this is pornography. Now we know that this has always been a problem with mankind, with people wanting to look at images of, uh, of explicit nature, But can I tell you something? In the last 15, 20 years, the advent of of the Internet, add to that the advent of a tiny computer you can fit in your pocket. And all of a sudden, you have a perfect storm convergence of pornography. Can I tell you that of every page of the Internet, there's billions of pages on the Internet. You know that? Can I tell you more than half of all pages on the internet are pornography. Ranging from all manner of wickedness. Because people understand that when you have this perfect storm, it's easy to find. Most time, you don't have to even pay a price. Just find a secret place and that's all you need. There's no accountability. That is very different than it was 50 or 100 years ago. Temptation on every hand. Jesus said that offenses would come. I'm sure glad nobody in this place ever has been offended. No. Isn't it true, beloved, that we have opportunity to be offended every single day? Offense is a great temptation. It's a temptation to enter into bitterness. And to take revenge. And so we have to realize, I could keep going. There's so many different arenas of temptations that we face. How many of you have experienced a temptation within the last week? Let me see, last seven days. That's probably every single person here. How many of you experienced a temptation in the last 24 hours? Okay, I'm speaking. I'm not talking to you. You didn't have any temptations. So I'm talking to the right crowd tonight because we are a people who experienced temptations. Let me first of all say to you tonight that being uh, being tempted, experiencing a temptation, that in itself is not a sin. 
I have come across Christians who, uh, uh, Pastor, Pastor, I'm, I'm tormented in my mind. Is God upset with me? Just because you are tempted does not mean that you are in sin. So I want to encourage you, first of all, tonight, that the mark of temptation is not, uh, is not evidence in, in itself, is not by itself a reason to be upset, okay? In fact, if somebody tells me that they don't have any temptation, that's when I start getting worried about them. Because that tells me that they're giving in to every whim of their flesh. So what we have to understand tonight, when it comes to temptation, see, it's easy. It is so easy for us to give in to flesh. Any dead fish can float down the river of life. It takes someone who's alive, someone who's going to fight, someone who's going to, to, uh, to understand life and the reason that there are consequences for our actions and our decisions to swim upstream of the culture, to swim upstream of the desires that are in your own flesh, to resist the devil and submit to God. See, Christians are the real rebels. We have come to the point now in our society where we are the ones that are not dictating the culture. We are now a subculture in the United States of America. We have got to fight against the culture of the day. We've got to go against the flow of the culture around us. We are the real rebels of the world now. Join the rebel alliance. We are the ones resisting evil. We are the ones that are trying to keep our homes and our families together, even when the world has given up on that. We are the ones trying to keep our marriages pure when the world has given up on that. We are the ones who are trying to keep our children from being indoctrinated to believe Marxism and socialism. We are the ones who are trying to save innocent lives in the womb when the world says, throw it away, put it in the trash can. Let us have more sexual immorality without consequences. We are the ones that are standing up for what's right, for the word of God, which has not changed. Living in this world, beloved, means you're going to be tempted. We've got to learn how to deal with that. One of the things I talk to new believers and people who are new to our church, in fact, in our very first new members class, I mentioned this. I always give them a very solemn warning. Realize that new believers, as they come into the kingdom, they're going to have to start dealing with temptations, maybe for the very first time in their life. Because Here's the thing, when we come to the, the church, when we get saved, we get right with God, before that, you know, living for the flesh is just every day. Giving in to selfish desires, what's wrong with that? That's what the whole world does. That's what I learned back in school, that's what my buddy said, that's what everybody said was right, is just if it feels good, then do it. And all of a sudden, Christians find themselves having to battle against temptation. Satan, he doesn't mess with people if they're already serving him. 
He doesn't tempt anyone that's already coming to him when they die, does he? He doesn't kick a dead horse. He says, you're already on the way to me. I don't have to mess with you. But as soon as somebody takes a step of obedience toward God, uh, repents at the altar, baptized in water, begins serving the Lord, guess what happens next? An attack from the enemy. The devil doesn't bother unsaved. But he does come after you. The reality of spiritual warfare is sometimes a shock to the new Christian. All of a sudden, there are supernatural forces coming against you to bring temptation. And you're like, what is going on here? How is, I never had to deal with this before. And that's because now you've taken a step of obedience toward God. Guess what? The devil doesn't like that. Because you used to belong to him. And he's like, hey, that's mine. Stop playing with my toy. I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get her back. And the way he does that is by waving a shiny object in front of your face. Don't you remember this shiny object? Remember how you used to play with this thing all the time? Man, that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, but that was when I was still a sinner. God says, I can't do that anymore. And now we are faced with this spiritual battle, aren't we? So let's talk tonight about overcoming temptation. Overcoming temptation is not easy. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, yeah, just follow these three steps and it'll, yeah, and it'll just fall right in line. We know the principles. We can learn the word of God. But there is still an element of obedience that is necessary. What that means is the, that resisting temptation is simple. I can give you the instructions tonight. It is very simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> it's like that, uh, that box of Legos I talked about this morning. If I dropped on you a box of a thousand pieces of Legos, and I gave you the instructions, I just follow the instructions, no problem, you can figure it out. Well, guess what? It's still going to take five hours. Even though you follow every step, you do it right, you have to be patient, you have to endure, you have to follow, you have to obey, and if you will, it's very simple, but it's not easy. That's what it's like with temptation tonight. It takes endurance, it takes patience, it takes a reliance on the Spirit of God. So there are three things in our scripture tonight that I want to focus in on that tell us something about temptation. And the first thing I want to encourage you with is what it says in verse 11. It says, now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In other words, he's saying to them, see what's happening to you right now in Corinth, guys. It's the same thing that was happening to the children of Israel in ancient world, right? He says, you are not the first one. To deal with this. Somebody has been through this before. And I want to tell you that the devil loves to isolate you in your temptation. He loves to make you think that you are so weird and you are so uh, wicked and you are so impure and God's never going to have anything to do. And you better never go back to that church because of the temptation you're facing. Doesn't he love to do that? 
He loves to divide and conquer, doesn't he? He just puts you off in the corner to think about what you've done for a while. No, but let me tell you something. If you are feeling temptation, let me, let me just enlighten you a little bit. Everybody is tempted. We all face temptations of one kind or another. When it comes to sexual temptation, mostly this is a, a male problem, but more and more it's becoming a female problem in our world today. But I read a book years ago that was titled Every Man's Battle. And that was, that was titled that way on purpose. Because when a man is facing sexual temptation, he feels as though he's completely alone. But the title of that book was powerful. Just the title was powerful. That's before you even start reading it. And by the way, I would highly recommend it if this is a, an arena that you are tempted in. And <laughs> we all are. It truly is every man's battle. And in that, what we find is that we're not the only ones who've struggled with this. There are others who have struggled and have learned how to overcome. Paul says, listen guys, what you're dealing with is exactly what ancient Israel dealt with. And guess what? God made a way out for them. That should give you some hope. You are not alone. Jesus said, I am with you even to the ends of the earth. Even Jesus, the Bible says that even Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Remember that? That the devil came to him right after he was baptized in water. And he was led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness for the purpose of praying and fasting to be tempted by the enemy. And the devil brought three powerful temptations to Jesus. And he defeated them one by one through the word of God. But let that be an encouragement to you. You're not alone in your temptation. You, if, if you try to endure temptation on your own, I don't have a lot of hope for you. What we desperately need is the example of scripture. What we desperately need is some brotherhood and some fellowship. How many know? Nobody is being tempted right now as we're sitting together in the house of God. Part of the reason why we like to come to church, because guess what? There's no temptation here. When we're gathered together, well, we have strength, right? But it's when we're alone. It's when we're separated. It's when we're on our own. That's when he comes to visit and whisper in your ear, right? So, second clue our our scripture gives us is uh, verse 12. It says, therefore... Let him who thinks he stands take heed. Everybody say those words. Take heed. What does that mean? It means you better be careful. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Reminds me of those two little boys I spoke about in that story. They had no idea how much danger they were in. Sometimes people come to me and and uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they, they come on the pretense of they're asking me for advice. But in reality, many people come to me just to inform me of what they're about to do. And, uh, and many times I'm thinking to myself, oh, pastor, you know, I'm thinking of taking this job or, 
I'm thinking about um, this, this girl, or I'm thinking about uh, this doctrine, or I'm thinking about, and you know, you just fill in the blank of what people think about. And in my mind, many times I'll say, you got to be careful about that. You got to be careful about that. And, you know, it's very, very interesting to see how people receive that, because some people are not open to hearing that. Be careful, lest you fall. No, 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 pastor, no, it's not a big deal. No, trust me, I can handle this. See, the problem is that many times when we make decisions, we, maybe even without knowing it, we are putting ourselves in a position of danger. Those little boys, they had no idea where they were going. They just fit through a little crack, found someplace. They thought it was nice, but in reality, it was very dangerous. I've seen this happen to people. I've seen this happen to people when they go home for family get-togethers. I've seen people, you know, a pastor, I'm, I'm going to go visit my family for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. And the family back home that, uh, you know, that they're not serving God. And, you know, when they get together, guess what else comes out? The booze, sometimes the drugs. And all of a sudden, these, these believers are going back and thrust into an atmosphere where they don't have the strength to fight against. See, temptation is tricky, isn't it? Because temptation has the ability to pull you down. Let me ask you something. Is it easier to pull something heavy? Is it easier to pull it down or pull it up? <laughs> oh, it's much easier to pull something heavy, pull it down. Right? It's very difficult to have something heavy to try to pull it up off the ground. Do you know why? Because gravity is working for you to pull something down. Can I tell you? There is such a thing as spiritual gravity. There is such a thing as environments that will work against you. This is why Christians should not be bars, clubs, should not be in places where bad stuff is happening. Oh, but pastor, listen, you know, I want to go preach the gospel to them. I want to go into that environment to try to pull a four-ton tank off the ground. You know what's really going to happen? They're going to pull you off of your little, uh, you know, your, your little stool that you're standing on. It's going to be a lot easier for them to pull you down than for you to pull them up. But pastor, didn't Jesus, didn't Jesus spend time with the sinners? Yeah, he let the sinners come to him. He didn't go to where, to, he didn't go to the clubs, he didn't go to the bars, he didn't go hang out with the wicked. They came to him. I want to tell you, beloved, be careful. There are things in life, especially when we start getting to the point in life, like, oh yeah, <laughs> I've been saved long enough now. I can make it. I've graduated temptation. I don't have to deal with that anymore. That's what David did. That's what David did. He got to the point in his life where he thought he could overcome on his own. And there was a time when kings go out to battle. And all of his soldiers went out to fight. And guess what? He steps out on his porch one night. And he sees, you know the story, temptation. And in that moment, when he should have been doing other things, that's usually when temptation comes. And he fell right in. 
bring her to me. And see the consequences of that decision played out through the life of David and his children for generations to come. We know God forgave him. God received him. God helped him. But still there was dire consequences. It played out in his children. It played out in future generations. The house of David. After he left the scene, man, it was bad. Because of one decision. I see people who think that they stand. And to you especially, take heed. Take heed. Can I tell you something tonight? Every single one of us, including myself, we are one or two decisions away from blowing up everything God has done in our lives. Can I be real with you? I've seen better preachers than me, with stronger families than me, I've seen men with with incredible influence, with great churches, and one temptation. One temptation. And I realize that without the help of God, I'm sunk. I have to be careful. I have to be uh, every day holding on with both hands to the will of God. Because I know that without Him, I am nothing. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Finally, I want to give you one last encouragement as we close. It's in verse 13. And it is, as I mentioned, a precious promise from the word of God. And it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This is for the person who right now in the back of your mind says, yeah, pastor, everything you've said, yeah, agree 100%, amen, preach it. And at some point you're saying, but hold on, there are some temptations that I know I could never resist. There is that one person who will always lead me to do something stupid. There is that one substance that if I know it's anywhere around, that I'm weak. I'm powerless against it. And many times people make an excuse, don't they? I'm just not strong enough i just can't stay away from the cheesecake (laughs) i had some cheesecake today so i can make that you know but there are things that we tell ourselves and it's no wonder if you're telling yourself this that it it's going to happen pastor you know if i find myself in that situation i'm just going to fly off the handle that's what's going to happen i'm going to fall into rage and anger and i'm going to hurt everybody around me I'm going to say words that are going to uh, affect my whole family for the rest of their lives. But the Bible tells us that all of those excuses are not true. No temptation has overtaken you. What that means tonight is that no matter what situation you are in, you have the ability to overtake it. 
You might not think you do, but God says you do. That's not my word. That's not an opinion. That is the word of God. It says God is faithful. Can I tell you, God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. And truly, there are some things that God knows that we could never resist. And so God is big enough. God is smart enough. God is strong enough to keep you away from those temptations. He will never allow the devil to tempt you beyond what you can resist. You say, but what about Job? Well, what about Job? Job was the most righteous man on the earth. God knew about Job that he could resist even that temptation of having his whole life destroyed. And that's why God allowed him to go through it. Some people, God said, oh, no, you can't go through that. But Job, you can resist this temptation. That's why I'm allowing it. And this is a precious promise of God. It is our faith to trust that God is big enough to keep those irresistible temptations out of our lives. Now, here's the hope in that promise. Every single one of you, you said within the last seven days and even within the last 24 hours, you've been tempted to do something that you know is not right. Here's the good news. With every temptation comes a way of escape. And what does that mean tonight? It means that God has put it in your ability to choose either to surrender to temptation or to resist temptation. And so the result of that is that when you fall into temptation, you can't point at God and say it's your fault, can you? You have to look in here and say, God, why is it that I made the choice to turn away from what I know is right? Fix what's in here, God, so that I can be strong enough to resist the next time comes around. Every temptation, God says, hey, look over here. Here's the way out. Sometimes, no, no, not sometimes, every time. Temptation is happening in your mind. The mind is the battlefield between heaven and hell. And the devil will put little thoughts. Your flesh will put thoughts and desires in you. And in that battlefield of the mind, just like, you know, the old cartoons with the devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder, and there's this argument happening between them. Yeah, do it. No, don't do it. Yeah, do it. No, don't do it. But at the end of the day, you're the one who makes the decision either to succumb to the power of temptation or to resist. But here is the greatest promise that God will give you the strength to resist. If you will allow him, if you'll say, God, I'm struggling in this moment, strengthen me by the blood of Jesus. Guess what? You can walk away. You can. You can. So stop making the excuses about why you've been stuck in this habit of sin for a year or two years or ten years. I don't want to hear it. Because God has made a way of escape. God has given that to you every single time. 
And I don't know what it is that God is dealing with you about because every one of us faces different temptations. But here's what I do know, that in every temptation, there is a way, if you choose, to escape. You don't have to. The devil's not strong enough to do this, to force you and twist your arm. He can manipulate you. He can lie to you. He can do a lot of things, but he can never force you. That's why, for people who go to hell, (laughs) see, the reason people go to hell is not the devil's fault. It's their own fault. Of course, the devil helps. But at, at the end, people who are in hell are there because they have chosen to reject the help of God. So what about you tonight? What will you choose when temptation finds a way into your life? When the danger presents itself, you have a choice. And let me add this last thing as we close tonight. Going back to our story. I want to tell you something that our commitment to Christ and our love for him to me ought to be far more motivating than just I want to get out of hell. What do I mean by that? I mean that there are some Christians who, you know, obviously because of sin, There's a weight and a guilt and a burden to bear because of sins. And the reason some people serve God is because, oh, I just don't want to die in my sins and go to hell. But that's the wrong reason. The right reason to get saved is not just to be forgiven of sins, but it's to know the glorious wonder of having relationship with a holy God. That's incredible. To have relationship with him. And see, if having a relationship with God means that I can't have relationship with other things, it means more to me to be close to Jesus than it means to have a fleeting moment of pleasure, of sin. The Bible said Moses. Moses chose to be called one of the children of God. He chose to identify with them rather than enjoying the passing pleasures of of the sins of Egypt, right? The riches and the sin. He, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to be called the son of Pharaoh. What about us? Will we choose to go through the affliction, the difficulty, the pain of enduring temptation so that we could be called sons and daughters of the Most High God? See, when I got married and I said to my wife, I will promise to be your husband till the day that we die. See, in that decision was, I'm going to resist every temptation that comes along the way for the next 50, 60, 80,000 years. Because I'm devoted to one woman. In the same way, our marriage to Christ ought to be so powerful that I'm so devoted to him and his will for my life that I don't have room in my life for temptation. I don't have room to give in. I don't have time for that. I can't, listen, I cannot give in to temptation. You know why? Because I have to stand behind a pulpit and preach to you on Sunday morning. And if I get up here and preach with deep sense of sin and bondage underneath, 
it changes how I preach. It changes how I feel because there's a guilt and a burden. You might not even know about it, but I know about it. In your life, if you have children, you have a reason to endure temptation. You have a wife, you have a husband, you have a reason. If you have a savior, then you have a reason to endure temptation tonight. And I want to challenge you that we have got to be people like Jesus who master the art of resistance. Hmm. Resistance. When he was tempted in the wilderness, how did he resist the enemy? It is written. It is written. It is written. The word of God. That's why we practice memorization. That's why we have a Bible reading program. It is written. The word of God is written on your heart. You'll find it a lot easier to endure temptation. Let's bow our heads tonight. Let's close our eyes. We're going to bring the service to a close. Noel, could you come play some, some uh, tickle the ivories up here? As we bring this service to a close, I realize that there could be someone here tonight being honest before God. There is a point of temptation in your life that you it seems that you are powerless against it. Every time the devil finds you in the right place at the right time, he yanks on your chain and you find yourself falling in temptation. The Bible says that he who sins becomes a slave to sin. And that the more we enter in to that arena of entering into temptation, the more powerless we become against it. But here's the hope. Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners. For people who have fallen in temptation again and again. The hope of the gospel tonight is that he still loves you. He still cares about you. He still wants to know you. He still wants to save you. And if you're here tonight, you're unsaved or maybe backslidden. And you know God is speaking to you tonight. You need to respond. You need to respond by lifting up your hand and say, Yes, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm not right with God. But I want to be tonight. I want my sins to be forgiven so I can have a fresh start. I see this hand. Someone else, quickly tonight. You need a fresh, clean slate with God. It's time to get your heart right. Is there anyone else quickly here this evening? God's speaking to you. Anyone else quickly, quickly tonight? Amen. I'm going to pray with you, brother, in just a moment. Let me speak to the church. Every Christian endures temptation. Even Jesus was tempted. Temptation alone does not mean that you are wicked, that you are evil. It means that you are living for God. And along the road, temptations come. But you and I, we are called simply to endure. We do that through reading the Word of God. We do that through staying close to Jesus. But maybe tonight God is dealing with God's people here this evening. God's dealing with the church 
and you say, Pastor, I want to be strengthened in my battle against temptation. I want the battlefield of my mind to be equipped for the next time the devil attempts to tempt me. Next time my flesh cries out. Next time I come against the world and its ways. And God, I want to be ready to endure temptation. I need you to strengthen me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit tonight more than my own intellect and my own abilities. I need God to help me. I wonder, church, could we stand together in this place? We're going to open up this altar for prayer. You pray, you lifted up your hand. I want to come. I want you to come. We're going to pray together. Let's bow our knees here at the altar. We need God's strength to endure. Every one of us is going to face temptation. What we desperately need tonight is we need God's mercy. We need God's grace. We need to make a way to know God's way of escape. Let's pray together. What are we singing? We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.